welcome to the Living in the Yum podcast. I'm your host, Emma Garrison, founder of The Body Solution, entrepreneur, mindset coach, NLP master practitioner, and lover of lifelong learning. Each week, the Living in the Yum series brings innovative, thought-provoking, and actionable content to help you to gain clarity, alignment, and connection with your soul and body. It's time to take action, to take an authentic stand for yourself, and unapologetically live more into the yum every single day. Are you ready? Here we go. What is up, Living in the Yum fam? Welcome to another episode of Living in the Yum podcast. I'm your host, Emma Garrison, and today we get nerdy. I want to talk about coping mechanisms and how they play a role in how we be, who we be, how we respond and react to different situations. The main, I'm big on awareness, paying attention and becoming a little like curiosity detective of your own thought patterns and the way in which you get to certain places or get to certain thoughts or um, come up with certain lies that your ego brain is telling you. And these coping mechanisms do a lot of that for us. And that's why they're so important to get aware of and to pay attention to. And I think this is one of my biggest ahas and yummy lessons that I've learned in moving through this deep personal development work is like, okay, how do I pay attention to when I'm in an ineffective state of being? And when you're in any of these coping mechanisms, you're most likely in a really ineffective state of being, meaning decision-making, no bueno. You don't want to be making decisions while you're in a coping mechanism. But because when we're in a coping mechanism, we're usually in a stress um, reaction, we are making decisions to try to get out of it. So any decisions and actions made while in a coping mechanism are likely to be reactionary and not well thought out and therefore, therefore could have negative consequences. And we just don't want that in our lives, you know? Like, that's not what we're here for. Um, so let's talk about what a coping mechanism even is, right? Um, you know them, you know, all of them subconsciously, you've experienced them, you've seen more likely than not, you've seen it more in other people than you see it in yourself. Um, we use coping as a protection mechanism to avoid ego annihilation, right? Like our ego is constantly trying to protect itself, trying to save face, trying to be the smartest, trying to be the best, trying to look good, trying to overanalyze and be sure everything's working properly or whatever. So it's a lot of facing off with your ego and and having a, a way to avoid getting that ego destroyed. And something I want to preface this with too is like, we all move through all of these coping mechanisms at one point or another at different times. You may have a core one or two that are like your go-to drop-in that your ego mind likes to use the most. But um, yeah, so as we go through these, I want you guys to pay attention, to listen, to feel into what you usually, like what's your default? Where do you usually drop into um, when you're feeling unsafe? So when stressful situations come up, we often are triggered um, by stress or pressure, whether it's real or imagined. So I know you guys know this because I've shared it on the podcast before, but our brain does not know the difference between a real event and imagined event, which is why visioning is so powerful because we can create anything in our brain and our body, our brain doesn't necessarily know the difference. So 
sometimes <laughs> we make up shit in our head and tell it to ourselves and we believe it. But it doesn't have to be the real experience. And these coping mechanisms are triggered by intense stress and pressure, whether real or imagined, when our ego is threatened. So again, this all comes back to the ego. If, it, if we were running on soul time, if we were running on um, soul and body really living and listening from that yummy, yummy place, these coping mechanisms would not even come up. But here's the deal. We are human beings having human experiences, and we're all going to experience this at some point or another, and you all already have. The key here is to get aware, to pay attention, to take a deeper look so that when these coping mechanisms come up, you can catch it and you can say, oh shit, here we are again. I'm going to pull back. I'm going to rewind. I'm going to level out and really take a stand for what I actually want. I'm not going to make decisions or create actions while I'm in this space, right? So, so the other component of that is when you're in a coping mechanism, you are unable to take in new information. So it's like, have you ever seen those um, pictures with the kid who's covering his ears and like he can't hear anything? That's what you are when you are in a coping mechanism. You cannot intake anything that doesn't align or match up with your story because you are in such a fear, flight, fight, appease mode that you're not able to digest anything new, which obviously stops the flow of positive and useful communication. And Particularly when there's another party involved, this is like so destructive and not something that we are wanting to create. <laughs> um, so here's here's here we go. Should we just do it? Let's do it. Let's dive into these coping mechanisms and have a look. Okay, number one, my people, is the blamer. Blaming game is strong. This is something that you see a lot in children, but guess what? When trauma goes down, these same coping mechanisms pop right back up. So you see it in a four-year-old, and guess what? That same four-year-old 50 years later is still going to be doing the same damn thing. So when you are a blamer, you're feeling powerless and uncared for. When a blamer is feeling stressed, they're feeling isolation, and it increases even more when they're in the blame game. Um, they compensate by trying to take charge, bluffing their way out or hiding their aloneness in attempted leadership. So a lot of times this is like a good way to hide. It's somebody who says like, oh, well, I'm not going to participate anyways because these guys can't figure it out. Okay. Also, the blamer is like all about the anger paired with hopelessness or helplessness. Like, oh my gosh, woe is me. There's nothing we can do. And I'm really mad. Um, or not seeing any out or any way to remove the problem, which is going to show up in all of these coping mechanisms one way or another, but this one is huge. So partnered with that hopeless and helpless and anger is like this avoidance of accountability for fear of what it will mean about them or what the consequences will be. So this, again, goes all back to the ego. What will this mean about me if I am held accountable? So the blaming becomes like a natural subcategory of how to respond. And it's much safer that way, right? The ego is all about being safe and secure. And if I can blame somebody else, it's not my problem. I'm safe. But there's also some like big wins in each of these, not wins per se, but strengths. And one of the strengths of a blamer is being a straight shooter. Like if they have a problem, you will know about it. They're super transparent. They have no need to hide their emotions and they recover really quickly once a resolution has been met. So there's a, there's there's some good here with a blamer. Um, usually the finger pointing and difficulty admitting when they're wrong, focus on fault versus solution, not being a team player, tend to pick scapegoats and enemies within the team, lack of accountability. It's all really present for the blamer. So key identifiers. If you're ever in a situation or feeling like, hmm, is this me right now? Which is hard to see when it's yourself, but I promise you it's worth flexing the muscle. Finger pointing, anger and depression, 
complaining about other people, negative and pessimistic view of the world, sister. Okay, so these are our key identifiers that we want to take a look at when we are in the blamer. Those are nice little like red flags for you as you're moving through some stuff. If you are seeing those actions come out for yourself. And these are also obviously helpful when um, working with other people too, whether that's in like a spousal relationship or with friends or with a parent or at work. And you get to be really clear about when you're noticing how you choose to respond because not everybody is in a space of personal development and willingness to learn and grow. And so you get to be cautious of that, especially if you're noticing somebody in a coping mechanism, because remember, they won't be able to hear you. The transparency, um, the information antennas are essentially shut off. So they can't hear you anyway, sister. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not going to happen. Okay. Next we have the placator. This is um, the men in my family. This is their jam. They are concerned about how they will be perceived by others. So they're like so worried. It's almost a people pleaser situation. Um, They protect themselves by focusing on other people. That's a coping mechanism. And I have certainly done that in my journey through transformation in I'm going to support other people. But that was really just a big way to... um, use as like an excuse or a cover to not look at my own shit. I've since obviously overcome that now in this path, but it's big, it's big, it's, and it runs deep. Um, Their response to stress is usually avoidance and also avoiding any uncomfortable truths at all costs. Like it's like, hell no, I don't want anything to do with that. We're not playing that game. So what they do is just preoccupy themselves with other people's needs. They feel unsafe expressing their truth and their emotional state. They act like they're in agreement, even when they're not, just to keep the peace and like make it so it's okay for everybody. Um, A lot of times in early childhood too, they had the experience of being open or putting themselves first and then learning that that was a bad thing or not okay and then created this belief system that they kept and ran with. So this stuff goes deep, deep, deep. Like I was talking about the kid on the playground and the belief system that you create. This is exactly that. Um, again, some strengths, right? Not everything is bad. They work hard to please other people. They're willing to go above and beyond with minimal complaint. And they're always friendly and non-confrontational. Some wins. We love a win. And then with our wins come our main challenges <laughs> with a placator. So typically they're not really um, willing to let you know where they actually stand. They're not going to be comfortable to share their opinion. They tend to overcommit and underdeliver. And small problems turn into big problems because resentment builds up. So like by the time you know there's a problem, it's too late anyways. Okay, key identifiers to checking out if this is you or if you're in this coping mechanism or if you're witnessing it with somebody else. Instant agreement, just agreeing and saying, okay, okay, okay. Overzealousness about your request, lack of authenticity. Oh, you guys know this one kills me. It's so funny. I cannot hang with the inauthenticity. It ain't for me, sister. Um, Minimizing of problems and difficulty, directing others because we're just here to please. I can't direct if I don't know what you want me to do. If I don't know what this, oh my gosh, this runs so deep of like the worthiness on the, um, check out my cycle of unworthiness podcast. If you haven't done so yet, this placator is like all about the worth and acceptance and enoughness and trying to fill that void. Woo. Okay. Number three, the computer. So not like computer, your MacBook air, but computer, like you're computing something. This person, when they are in this coping mechanism, feels exposed and vulnerable when they're showing emotion. Like that's a big no-go. They avoid the feeling by checking out during stressful situations. They're just like, peace, deuces, I'm out. 
The other big thing is they're worried that if they stay connected, that they'll become over-emotional. It's almost like they're scared to open this can of worms. So they resort to logic and become super rational when confronted as opposed to experiencing or showing rather any emotional reaction. So they're just like super heady, trying to stay out of the emotional game and dropping into the analytics game. <laughs> so that kind of leads them to appear to be unaffected on the outside, but really there's like a lot of anger and hurt hidden in detachment. So they just detach. So they're not experiencing, or that's what they believe <laughs> the effects of whatever the situation is. So anybody who has spent a prolonged period of time in a stressful situation will eventually learn to check out as like a survival mechanism. So a lot of times we see this specific coping mechanism with kids who were in abusive homes or who experienced a trauma when they were younger or several traumas. Um, I mean, we've all experienced traumas when we're younger. Check out Oh my gosh, I am just like plug city today. But check out my podcast with Amy Louise Cash. She is amazing. We went deep on trauma and how that kind of plays and interacts in your day-to-day -day life, um, even as human beings. And even the things, we talk about different types of trauma. And one type of trauma is complex trauma, where it doesn't necessarily involve some big event, but is more wrapped up in a, a certain experience that shifted your belief patterns. Anyways, I digress. We're here at the computer, <laughs> at the computer, about the computer. Um, Okay, so strengths of the computer, they're able to work for long stretches without taking a break, and they're able to stay super focused on a task because they can see the bigger picture so easily and they ignore discomfort. They're just like head in the game, nerding out, and ignoring the <laughs> emotional aspect in order to move forward. They're like super detached and just not really in the game. They lack a lot of freaking external awareness of others and their surroundings, which really leads them to not have rapport with anyone. Um, maybe not anyone, but they their rapport is not a strong suit of theirs. And they attach to really unimportant concepts and ideas that aren't relevant to the primary goal because they're so avoidant and trying to steer clear of the root cause or emotional experience. And that is like the perfect example of them not being super grounded in reality. Um, because of that disconnect, communication is hard. It goes in one ear, out the other, and it ain't fun. Okay, key identifiers for the computer. This is cracking me up, you guys. In my NLP course, they posted a picture of Napoleon Dynamite for this one as far as what a computer is. And the first thing that they say to look for is a mouth open. So funny. You guys know how Napoleon Dynamite's mouth is just kind of a jar and hang in there. Um, they stare off into space a lot. Sometimes they look puzzled, indicating that they're thinking, their arms are folded, they're leaning back, their legs are crossed. It's a lot of body language that we get to pay attention to when this comes up because we're looking to see are they connected or not connected because a lot of times this computer um, coping mechanism is a chance to disassociate. And that's typically what they're doing by disconnecting to the emotional state. Okay, last one. This is for... My multitaskers, my ladies, mostly, some men too, for sure. <laughs> this is the distractor. Um, this is somebody who gets kind of confused and overwhelmed and flustered by stressful situations. This is for sure my main coping mechanism. And they often feel like they're not really sure what they should do. And that leaves them feeling a little bit uneasy and, again, back to that flustered feeling. So they can really shift. Like, this is almost a all in one coping mechanism because they're so scattered they shift between all three of the coping three other coping mechanisms of placator blamer and computer so they're sort of all over the map just distracting keeping distracted 
staying distracted and getting distracted. So they usually are like not able to sit still, moving from room to room. They can't remember what they're there for. When it comes to actually completing a task, they have a very difficult time staying focused. Um, they sort of seem to be all over the place in conversation as well. Oh my gosh, you guys, this is me. If you've ever listened to these solo podcasts, it's constant. Which I suppose isn't a coping mechanism in that sense. It's just who I be. But I like to just let things free flow. And that's what we do. And, you know, that's that's how we hang in. That's how we do. <laughs> um, okay, strengths of a distractor. They really don't stay upset for very long. And they're used to chaos. So they're comfortable with abrupt changes to the plan. And they can be easily redirected. So that's kind of dreamy for sure. Um, I can't relate as much to being comfortable with abrupt changes to a plan, but I'm totally a distractor. Usually like if there are changes to a plan, it's not a good time for me. <laughs> um, distractors need a lot of supervision. They get off topic, difficulty completing tasks. They need complex information simplified in order to digest and flow. So if you're going to be trying to communicate with somebody who's in a distractor coping mechanism, or if you find yourself in this coping mechanism, you're going to want to hold up on the complex information because nothing's going to be um, landing or following through. So key identifiers for our distractors, they look kind of frazzled. They may be speaking in incomplete thoughts. They're attempting to multitask and they have a hard time really committing to one task or goal. So those are our four coping mechanisms or four of which that are most present. Of course, there are others, um, but these are ones to pay big attention to. And again, this is not a game of paying attention to what your peers are up to, though you can. You can use these as a, hmm, okay, is this person in an effective state or ineffective state? Like, can we have a productive conversation or not have a productive conversation? Super helpful in that case. But what I'd really encourage you to do with these is like take a look inward and pay attention to what's showing up for you and when it's showing up. And it's super challenging until it becomes like a muscle. Like you have to flex it enough to where it gets comfortable to pay attention when you yourself are in these coping mechanisms. The awareness is key because the awareness creates choice and choice creates freedom. So if you can pay attention, oh shoot, I am in total blamer right now. This isn't serving me. This is ineffective. How do I want to proceed? What do I choose? How do I shift out of this pattern, this behavior? Because you're the one who's really negatively impacted by being in these coping mechanisms. Like, yeah, for the overall conversation or if you're at work or in relationship with your partner, these things aren't helpful for them either. But like, you're the one who suffers the most from being in the coping mechanism. So Getting aware of, A, your main coping mechanisms that you use and then paying attention to when they're showing up so that you can consciously choose out of them. So much of this happens under the radar subconsciously, like we're not paying attention to it as it's in our face. And so if you can really take a step back, get aware, feel into when they are showing up, and then finding certain things that help bring you back to center that can pull you out of them. They're different for different people. If you're interested in learning some tactics of what those might be, shoot me a DM and I can help you navigate that. They're different for everybody. Um, for me, I'll give an example. If I put my left hand on my heart, my right hand on my lower belly and take like five really deep belly breaths um, with a big exhale. So it sounds like this. <sighs> like out loud. <laughs> um, if I do five of those, I'm usually pretty good. Hold up top. So it's like you could breathe in for, sometimes I count, breathe in for five, hold for five, release for five, whatever feels good for you. I think there's some science behind that too um, on the counting. So check it out. 
maybe on the Google or YouTube if that's something you're interested in. But um, yeah, the counting is helpful. And the verbal exhale is like magic, especially if I'm in a coping mechanism and super heated. So um, the last thing I want to say about this is like, just be gentle with yourself and know that we all experience being in these coping mechanisms. This is a human thing. This is not a, oh my gosh, I've done the work and I don't experience these things anymore. Like, yeah, your experience of them will decrease as you do the work, but they still show up. Like we're all human beings having human experiences. So if you're here thinking that you have done the work and you're not going to experience these types of things anymore, power to you. Um, give me a call when they come back up because they will. Um, but yeah, powerful. So get aware, pay attention to when they're showing up and you can create the freedom yourself. Like you don't need any external anyone to help pull you out of these. It gets to be an internal job. Okay, so if this landed for you, if you liked it, please give us a follow. Let me know on Instagram. Take a screenshot of the podcast. Share it there. Tag me and um, I'll be sure to share it and get you on my feed and we can rock out together. Thank you guys so much for listening as always. I love you so much. I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode of Living in the Yum podcast, please take just a minute and show it some love by subscribing, rating, and leaving a comment. This helps us to continue spreading the yum and changing lives across the globe. Speaking of, I work with clients in one-on-one settings around the world, and I'm so, so excited to announce to you my new 90-day one-on-one container, the Body Solution. If you know that you are feeling called and ready to really up-level your life, to shift your experience with your body and soul connection, drop me a DM at Emma M. Garrison on Instagram. I do have limited spaces available so that I can maintain the depth with my clients, but I would love to hear from you if this sparks. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to be here today with me. I so appreciate and value that. And I'm sending you so much love, so much light, and so much yum. I'll talk to you soon.